folks, this is Barack Lurie at the Barack Lurie Podcast. With me is my good friend and producer, Ari David. You know, on my Sunday show, I had a, uh, a, a three-part series about the dangers of atheism. And I must say, I really enjoyed talking about it. But I found myself, you know, you never end up saying everything that you really want to say. You have these, this great outline, and it just doesn't come out the way you want it to come out, right? That's, I think that's nature, human nature. Uh, but I wrote a blog about it recently, and I found that I really kind of honed in the points that I wanted to hone in, uh, a, a, um, a, a sort of epiphany that I did not expect to come in through my fingers, right? And there it was. And we talked many times before about atheism in the sense of what a flawed concept it is, and how can they not believe in God, and I used to believe, be an atheist, and blah, 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 right? Uh, we talk about the numbers, and, and it's all fascinating, and we will continue to talk about that. And the topic was a little different, right? It was not just whether atheism is right or wrong. It's the dangers of atheism. The dangers are very significant. And I, I find myself writing that, you know, it's all good and well if you want to believe something, but understand its consequences. Understand the dangers of it. And you should want to be uh, a believer, if only because the, the association with atheism is so flawed. It's so, it's not, it's, it doesn't present anything good. That was my main point. It was, it's, it's that it does not offer the world a thing. There's no benefit. Atheism has produced exactly nothing. And that alone should be, a, a good enough answer for you to not be an atheist. Well, the atheist will turn around and say, well, gosh, you know, how about those crusades and those, uh, the Inquisition and the child molestation issues with the Catholic Church, right? And of course, there's a, probably a couple of other things you could point out to as well. We've discussed those at length before, and we were able to say, look, you know, those are very small relative to all the great good that, that Christianity and religion has offered. And, and, and then it struck me, like, is that your standard? Is your standard that the only ideology that you'll accept is one that's perfect? Does it have to be perfect? You know, so at what point do you say good enough? In other words, if there's one Catholic priest, let's say, who steals money from, uh, I don't know, the, um, from the, the till. Dish the dish, yeah, the dish thing guy. We're Jews. We're not familiar with handling <laughs> money in the temple. We, we don't do it that way over there. But, but if, you, if you steal from the, the, the tray that, where people pop in money, um, do you then say that all religion is flawed, right, um, because of that one priest? And nobody else, by the way, just nobody else. Well, I think it would be fair. You, you would not be intellectually honest if you were an atheist or otherwise to say that all Christianity is flawed because one priest stole, let's say, $10 from the dish that we just talked about. All right, well, what if you found five priests doing something similar. Is, a, is it fundamentally flawed? No, they're just five guys. We can go on and on like this until we get to the point of, well, what if there, were, there was a policy adopted by the Christian church that ended up in bad things happening, like the Inquisition, like the Crusades? And by the way, the Crusades, I don't think it's really a fair statement to say that the Crusades in and of themselves were, were bad. There were some renegade soldiers, but that doesn't mean the whole concept was flawed. 
And is, is, is that enough? And, and it, it just struck me that no matter what, you, you can never satisfy the atheist. You can never explain to him that this is pretty darn good compared to what atheism offers. But you can't even get off the ground. It's like they, they try to shoot you down before the plane can even get off the runway. And I think we need to demur to, to that argument. We need to show, we need to laugh in their face and say, you really expect perfection, do you? And, and where else do we expect perfection? I mean, tell me where perfection actually prevails. So I, I, I listed a bunch of things. What about um, medicine, for example? Medicine, uh, they've been wrong in tremendous amounts of ways, right? They used leaks to, to, uh, to cure people by sucking out the infection, so to speak. That didn't work, and in fact, it probably created more infection. Um, they also tried to blood transfusions with, with people that don't have the right type of blood, and people died. Okay, and then uh, how about other situations like um, uh, the eugenics movement, which is medically oriented, and what the Nazis did using medicine. Does that mean that we should all just throw away Western medicine because it wasn't perfect? No, these were efforts to kind of figure out what was what. And then, of course, you can say this about America as well, right? I mean, America is never perfect. No country is ever perfect. Shall we scrap the American experiment altogether? Shall we, shall we scrap democracy altogether? Because God only knows that there were mistakes in our American republic. We had slavery, after all. We, uh, we were not so nice to the Native Americans. Um, we had uh, the KKK, we had the Jim Crow laws, and you can point to a bunch of things. Certainly not perfect. Shall we get rid of democracy altogether? Same thing with um, science, generally speaking. They were constantly wrong about different things. I mean, do, do you see where I'm going with this, folks? This is, uh, it's too easy to show how everything that we treasure has imperfection within it. Everything. And even today, there's imperfection within it. It gets better. Science is better now than it ever was. Medicine is better now than it ever was. But it's, it's certainly not perfect. And yet, when it comes to faith, your religion must be perfect. It must have no skeletons in its closet in order for an atheist to even begin discussing the concept of God with you. Show me your God is perfect, and then I will talk to you. This is the kind of nonsense that we deal with. Um, and the atheist, of course, you know, gets to sidestep the major 800-pound gorilla in the room, which is what, what, what good has atheism done? Is atheism perfect? Of course not. Atheism is, is vicious. It's, atheism is nothingness. <laughs> I mean, we have 200 million people died as a result of atheism. Not in the name of atheism, but as a result of atheism. Godless societies. 200,000 people. A million. A million, yes. 200 million people in the 20th century alone. So, anyway, it was, it was an epiphany that I had while I was writing last night on this issue. And I, I wonder how, how many things are holding us back because of this notion that things are, are never perfect. Right? Even to use a very simple day-to-day -day example, um, the fact that we go to, um, that we drive, 
right? It's, there's no guarantee. In other words, there's no, uh, there's no perfect prediction that your car will get you from point A to point B safely, right? Or that something might not happen to your car on the way. We can't function this way, folks. So to, to expect perfection, would you expect perfection in, in your spouse, right? You wouldn't say, let's not have marriage because some people get divorced or even 50% of the population gets divorced. You wouldn't say that. But yet again, when it comes to, to, to faith, it has to be perfect. Anyway, I just, I think people don't think these things through. And as we like to say on this podcast, you can never accept, <laughs> you can never expect, you can never, from thinking. Yeah. Can you can never accuse, accuse the left from thinking. Oh my gosh, I'm so bad about this. I'll do it. You can never accuse the left of thinking things through. Thank, Thank you. you. I'll I, be here all week. <laughs> I'm so tired. Hey, uh, can, can I ask you something? Yeah, you, of course. You hit on an amazing point. They never use that line of critical, but you've just outlined as critical theory. Right. If it's not perfect, throw it away. But they never do that, and we've talked about this before, with their own social programs. Do they ever say, let's throw out welfare because it doesn't, it's not perfect? Do, do they ever say, let's not do gun control because it's not perfect? Do they ever say, let's scrap high-speed rail or other socialist transportation collective methods because they're not perfect? Because just because cars can't be guaranteed to get you home safe, can buses or subways i know there are subway accidents all the time right you know because because here's the final one because keystone xl pipeline can't be perfect oh, let's use railroads to transport our oil and they explode all the time right that's a perfect system right the railroad system jeez right. <laughs> louise you're absolutely right uh you know this, this is such a brilliant uh connection connect the dots situation that you just made here it is qed that's right qed <laughs> that's right <laughs> Uh, you know, you can almost hear the ah moment, and it's it's a lot of fun. But but that's they expect perfection from us, and they uh, expect no perfection. In fact, no accountability whatsoever, let alone imperfection. They demand no accountability no, no account- from themselves. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and I mean, voting right—you know, voting without an ID, right? <laughs> I mean, it just is another example of oh, because that, that that will go swimmingly well. There, there's no problem with that. There won't be any any chance of anyone because no one fraud has there. ever stolen an election ever. Right? No one has ever did anything nefarious. We're just going to make sure that it's just all the much all the more easy for you not to get caught. Just let us help you. Let us help you help us. Whatever they, they say. Right. Because help border, me help you. Yeah, because a border fence can't be perfect. We're not allowed to say, well, is your amnesty plan perfect? Right, exactly. Yeah. Because because the fences uh, cannot you know, make sure to get absolutely everyone out, well, then let's scrap the whole thing altogether. Yeah. There should not be a fence of any kind. Uh, okay. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That there are a lot of, Look, but, but this, what we're talking about really is a double standard, aren't we? Um, they, this is also applies in the media. When they look at us as the Republicans, we must be perfect, right? We cannot ever be drunk. We can never have uh, an illicit affair. To never look at a Playboy magazine in an adult men's bathroom in an airport, right? Tapping our foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that is a to do so is a far greater crime on the Republican side than the Democratic side. Now, they'll point out, hey, what are you talking about, Barack and Ari? 
you know, we had our, uh, what's his name, Anthony Weiner guy. Or right? Gary Hart. Or Gary Hart. And they were drummed out as well. Mm, you know, I, I'll grant you that, but it was just because it was so brazen. It was so in your face, as it were, uh, that they had nothing, they, they had no choice. Or uh, John, um, oh gosh, John, Jonathan Edwards, uh, presidential nominee. Can you imagine if he had ever been president? But anyway, um, it's, it's not the same. You guys attack us uh, for every little thing and then also say that we're hypocritical, that somehow it's a reflection on our policy. That's the difference. You guys get to be, you know, you get to parade your, your uh, male genitalia, as it were, on Twitter and, um, and then simply say, well, that's inappropriate and it's never a reflection on your Democrat policies. But when Republicans do it, then it's a, a dramatic reflection on how the whole system is a house of cards and conservatism itself is, uh, is just a big charade. That's, that's the way they'll present it. So, and, and this kind of deals with my next policy, uh, very much so. And you've heard this expression of um, the uh, zero tolerance, right, in schools. This is the, the policy that basically says, if a pop tart is shaped like a gun, the student must be expelled. That's right. Um, and by the way, my, my own son talks about this. And you, you know, it's, it's very interesting when you hear about this in the abstract, uh, and this is still in the abstract for you because, you, first of all, you have two young girls, so you won't necessarily see it as, as brazenly as I'm seeing it. Uh, but they're also not old enough to, to witness what's going on. So, you, you know, dear listener, you're, you're hearing about these crazy things that are going on in schools where you're not allowed to use your, your finger and your thumb as, as, as a representation of a gun. Uh, bang, bang, shoot them up. You know, bad guys, cops and robbers and cowboys and Indians and get the bad guys. I'm engaging in macroaggressions all around your office right now with a pen. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, you hear about this. And then it actually happens with your son, your own son. My boy who is... He just finished second grade. Uh, he talks at length about how the school simply refers to normal boy behavior as inappropriate. Those, that's the magic word that they have. They, I didn't know what inappropriate meant, but boy, these kids know that phrase. That's inappropriate. And, so, and, and here are the things that he talks about. Uh, he talks about uh, how cool it would be that we should that learn about history, George Washington and such. And how George Washington was able to get around the bad guys. The teacher responds, let's not talk about that. That's inappropriate. Okay, making me feel bad about his own boyness, right? And he made it very clear. If, if you do, uh, you know, the, the representation with your hand of the finger, the, the index finger and your thumb as a gun, uh, you're out. Yeah, exactly. Okay, the, what, what you're doing right now, Ari, he's, he's doing a bunch of hand gestures. It's more a little bit obscene. With, uh, it, it Not a little. Me, it's completely obscene. It, it reminds me of a stripper more than anything else <laughs> who's pretending to be uh, shooting Daddy's a gun. Daddy's got to pay the bills. <laughs> That's right. You know, there's, there's that pole right there. Not going right. to tip. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank God you don't really have a gun. Anyway, we digress. The point is that I'm hearing these things from my own son, and, and, just, and it's real. And you just want to go up to this, to this teacher and say, what is the matter with you? Why do you want to say anything to the teacher? Don't you just want to hit him with a sledgehammer? No, I want to talk to them. I want to reason. You're so with them. reasonable. Why? 
First of all, it's not a him, it's a her. So, Even better. Because as you know, almost all teachers are, are, are women, uh, at least in elementary school. It's very rare to have a male teacher. Look, we're seeing this over and over again. But it's a zero tolerance thing. And, and, and I want to talk about zero tolerance because, well, you know, it's, it's uh, zero tolerance is the ultimate in black and white thinking, right? They, they claim to be nuanced thinkers. Um, when it comes to abortion or anything else, they're the great nuancers. Uh, they appreciate the difficult uh, choices in life, and you, it's just a sticky wicket. That's what it is. They appreciate all 50 shades of gray. That's right. Yeah, exactly. But zero tolerance and black and white thinking. Isn't this the ultimate in black and white thinking? That you would, that you would at least to such bizarre results, if a kid comes in with a um, a, a laser tag gun, you know, that, the ones that are very colorful, and, and even a water pistol. If you, if you bring a water pistol to a gun and uh, to a school and, and it represents a gun, it certainly it's the shape of a gun. I'll walk down the school and call the cops now. Yeah. Yeah. You might actually get arrested. Did you ever hear about the kid who got expelled because he was playing with a paperclip and bent it? And then the poke of the paperclip was considered a weapon? Yeah, I, I know. It's, it's, it, it, look, I'm, I'm making a face now because I'm so disgusted with this. But this is, this is the zero-tolerance world that we live. But why, not, why don't we have zero-tolerance? We Republicans, we conservatives, I should say, uh, is there any zero-tolerance in our point? I mean, I, I suppose you can say abortion is wrong in every respect. That's a zero-tolerance, zero right? But, no one's, but, but we don't have the equivalent enforcement power that the liberals do, especially in the schools. So, for example, if a woman decides that she's going to have an abortion even after two days of being pregnant uh, with the morning after pill, for example, we may not like it. We may say that is the taking of a life right there and then, but there's no zero tolerance that she has to meet, right? It's, it, no one's going to take her away. No one's going to expel her from her job or whatever it is that Stone she might have. Stone her to death, cane her in the public square, right. head her. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm going to the most extreme example that I can think of right away, which is you know, where we seem to have a very strong opinion, and that is when it comes to abortion. Okay, so I'm going right there uh, to where all the liberals are, are now thinking, uh, hearing this show. I'm going right to the very issue that, that you're thinking of right now. Am I right, dear listener? Sure I am. You're thinking that we're so black and white when it comes to that. But no, no, my friends. We don't have a zero-tolerance policy to that. We, uh, no one's been arrested for uh, engaging in an abortion, uh, certainly not one that, that happens uh, you know, only a couple days after a conception. So don't tell us that somehow we're guilty of zero tolerance. And if we are, even if we have that mentally, we don't enforce it. You, my friends, you on the left, uh, you enforce all sorts of crazy uh, rules. And that is, of course, with the, the, the toy guns is a classic example. Um, or environmental rules for property on the coast, coastal commission rules, where if you do one thing, they fine you $50 a day, but if you do another, it's $10,000 a day, and the two rules conflict with each other, and no one can make a decision because it's policy. You know, I disagree with you something very strongly, hmm. okay? And you love these moments. <laughs> you know it's going to be funny. All right. You said zero tolerance laws are the ultimate in black and white thinking. I completely disagree. All right. There's no thinking. The entire reason a zero policy law exists is because it's a policy. A policy is meant to be followed 
without any mitigating circumstantial circumspection. You're not supposed to think. Thinking is removed. The principal, the teacher, the school administrator is in a position where they can no longer evaluate which student fit the pop tart into a, the shape of a firearm. Is it a straight-A student or the troublemaker? Which student Polo was fiddling with a, uh, a, uh, a paperclip? The one who's known for turning paperclips into lockpicking devices or the little kid who just was bored? Right. It, it, those are the kinds of things they used to think and apply thinking to. And, and today, you're not allowed to think. You have to follow the policy completely. You got it. Um, let's talk about other areas of zero tolerance, as they call it. Uh, zero tolerance being very simply stated that there's absolutely no forgiveness whatsoever uh, regardless of the circumstances, right? So we use the example of the toy guns or the drawing of guns or uh, representations of guns in other ways, you know, using your thumb and index finger, uh, or even talking about it sometimes, as, a, as, as, as yeah. my son uh, indicated, about uh, talking about his uh, quest to fight the bad guys. And it's, it's so lovely to hear him talk about how he wants to fight bad guys, right? He wants to fight evil. And believe me, uh, after school and uh, on my way to school, I talked to him about bad guys and good guys and what's going on in this world and how great America was. And we, we cornered the – Is. 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 Yeah, that's right. Was and is. And how we cornered the British and such and, and how uh, Europe needed us during World War II. And, boy, a lot of men died fighting, uh, you know, going on D-Day, storming the beach. But it was worth it. And those were brave men. And we have – special days for them, and they are honored. Um, and you can just see my son's face light up with admiration and respect. And, and the other day, I was even talking to him about, um, I say, it was an interesting moment, but I knew that he would like it. And I said, you know, one day, uh, you know, I might uh, get in an accident, I might die all of a sudden. And I said, son, it falls on you to be the man of the house. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah, I mean, look, you know, mommy and, and, the, and uh, the other kids, they, they need protection, and you're going to be that guy. And he, he just beamed with pride. You know, it's, uh, it was a sweet moment. It was really sweet. He was so proud. He, he, he was just kind of going right into his element, to his manhood. Um, it's, it's what we guys do. It's, it's our job to protect. It's a beautiful thing. And, and by the way, ladies, you should love it. You should love it. You should love it when the boys go out and, and you know, talk about shooting the bad guys. It's, it should be, should give you a thrill that your son and your, your nephews and your, your husbands are encouraging that. What is more sexy to a woman than a man who, whom she knows will protect her, right? I mean, isn't that the, I mean, really, honestly, ladies, ladies isn't this what you want in a man, right? You want a provider slash protector. Sometimes they go hand in hand. But that's what it's all about. And wouldn't you want that in your son? Wouldn't you want him to be excited about being a protector? I, I just, I don't get it. But anyway, let's, let's go back to the zero tolerance thing. Here are things that we're beginning to see a zero tolerance approach. If you bring a Bible to school, all right, that, that dog don't hunt. You can bring pornography to school. <laughs> You're encouraged to do that. Yes, absolutely. You're encouraged to learn about homosexuality and anal sex and all those wonderful things that they're trying to encourage you 
to study and to embrace. But bring that, bring a Bible? Well, that's obscene. There's zero tolerance for that kind of crap. Right? I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm being rhetorical here. Uh, not rhetorical, sarcastic. Uh, but you're it, also being honest. That I'm is being honest. True. It's exactly, I mean, it happened actually, you know, and, and you can say it's anecdotal. That's fair. Uh, a girl brought in a Bible and she was kicked out of school. Actually, I think suspended from school for bringing in the Bible. Another they, case, uh, a kid brought in zero some, tolerance. A kid brought in, I think I told you about this, some uh, candy canes at Christmas and wrapped on the candy canes with little Bible verses. Suspended. It's, they it's, had to, he had to fight his expulsion. And, and shouldn't we be embracing uh, kids who are themselves in turn uh, learning about the good word, right? And that are advocating... Um, you know, being honorable to your mother and father, being good to your fellow citizen, to not steal, to not cheat, to not lie, to all those wonderful things that the Ten Commandments, uh, uh, you know, advances. Shouldn't we want to embrace that? Wouldn't you, shouldn't you be excited about that as a teacher? That, wow, that there really are, they, they, they're excited about this. You know, back in the old days, in, in, when I went to school, elementary school in the late 60s and early 70s, you know, that the, the trouble kids were the kids who had no standards at all, that, that seemed to be going off the rails all the time. You know, little Johnny just can't, you know, he just keeps on bullying everyone else, and he, he does spit was and everything else. And little and that, Barack, not you, but yeah. the other one, keeps coming to class high as a kite. <laughs> That's right. But now it seems to be upside down. It's the reverse. It's like, well, if you're, if you're shooting the spit was, you're, you're the right kid. You're the good kid. You're doing what you need to be doing. As long as you're not, you know, using a thumb and an index finger to suggest <laughs> that there's a gun. No, no, no. That we can't have. But you can do spit wads. And you can also yell at the teacher and swear at her and, and call her a mother effer or whatever you want. And there's no, uh, there's no backlash on that. That kid is cool. That kid is good somehow. Whereas the kid that comes in with the Bible that wants to say, hey, you know, we need to advance our society for the better. Or love thy brother like yeah. I love myself. Right, we need oh, to be. That kid has to go. Yeah, it, it, what kind of upside down world is this? It, it's really, it, it's like, it, it is just like, um, you know, some of the cute books that I have my kids read. And there's always, you always end up telling a story to the kids when you, your imagination doesn't run very well. And you say, imagine a world where everything is opposite, right? And in the summer, it's winter. In the winter, it's summer. You know, it's, Tall people, uh, you know, don't play basketball. They, 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 they ride horses as jockeys. And only midgets can, can play basketball and, and so on. You know, you go and, and the kids are in charge of the, the house and their parents have to go to school. By the way, the kids love that part. They, love, they think that's hilarious. But I, I, I feel like that's the way we're living right now. I think we have this opposite world, this bizarre world where Suddenly, that the kids who are the bullies and the ones who don't want any standards at all are the ones to be applauded, and the ones who are saying, you know, we, we really ought to think before we speak. We ought to be considerate of each other. We ought, about the, ought to learn about the, uh, the wisdom of the Ten Commandments. They're the ones who are punished, not just punished, but they're actually suspended from school. This is what we're doing. And the kids who are swearing at the teachers, that's okay. That this is this is the world we live in. On your wall right over there is an Italian, I believe it's an Italian version, of one of the great movies ever made by one of the great filmmakers, Stanley Kubrick. Right. The world we live in today is like Kubrick's one of Kubrick's other masterpieces. It's a clockwork orange. Yeah. 
little Alex. Everyone just has to understand him. <laughs> Everyone just has to let him express himself. Right. You know, the fact that he's stomping people to death, well, that's our problem that we don't, we're not giving him what he needs. It's a strange, strange world. Um, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. And, and, you know, that goes to the, the crux of it that you introduced at the beginning which, uh, of atheism. That's the perfect atheist world, he, he illustrated. And to go further, so often we hear about, say, separation of church and state. But we never hear what I think is the trump card that we have to play against all of these aggregate philosophies, which is the separation of religion and God. Religions are just ways of worshiping God. Different languages. Different to languages to speak <clears throat> to God, so to That's speak. Right. And they have their flaws and they have their benefits and their human creations. Right. But no matter what they are, God is God and God is perfect. Right. And there are people who are not part of religions, but they are not atheists who believe in God. And they may not have prayers of, you know, in Hebrew or in whatever right. language in Latin, but they, they do believe in God. Right. And they, there's, there's never a conversation about that because I think that's the ultimate undermining of atheism. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a very good point. Look, uh, without God, there are no standards. It's the easiest way to, to attack atheism. Because then they'll say, well, what are you talking about? I, I have rules. I, I embrace uh, being good to everyone. And, and then you just simply need to deflate them very easily by saying, uh, why, why should you be good? Why, why shouldn't you just focus on what you can get away with? Yeah, why right. do you recycle? Yeah. Well, well I mean, well, what, <laughs> you know, because it's normally I recycle, I'm good. Well, but, but it's better than that. I mean, it's, it's more, um, uh, you stop the conversation earlier than that by simply saying, why not steal? I mean, as long as you get away with it, right? Uh, take take that banana from the fruit stand vendor. Just go ahead and take it. Yeah, run the red light. No cop, no yeah, stop. No, nobody's watching. Yeah, exactly right. Or um, lie to your friends, and uh, you know, as long as they don't uh, catch you, then you're good to go. I mean, just commit fraud. What, what, why and why do you even call it fraud? What, what's the? It's get it while you can. There's only one life. Uh, that you're leading, and apparently you're just going to be warm food at, at the end of your life. You're, so just, you know, go and grab as many toys as you can for the time being. And, and they, don't, they don't get that. But let me get, let me get back to zero tolerance because uh, there, there are more things to discuss. Um, we talked about um, th there's going to be zero tolerance about questioning homosexuality. Zero. And if you say anything that is slightly... Um, disrespectful of a gay lifestyle, you're, you're going to be drummed out. Okay, and 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 that's uh, of course subject to interpretation. I'm not talking about using profane words like uh, faggot, for example. You know, using that word or homo or you know things that that referring uh, to people in a derogatory, in a derogatory way. Term. I'm not even talking about that. I'm simply saying, uh, if you were to say, you know, uh, you know, I, I wonder if uh, it's really a good idea to engage in a lot of anal sex. Right, or if it's, uh, I wonder if it's a good idea to have two men raise a child without the benefit of a woman parent. You'll be drummed out. There'll be zero tolerance in that. That's coming. That is definitely coming. Oh, it's coming. here. I, 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 it's I, completely here. I think. I think there's a self-censoring going on in that department, but I don't think that they'll throw you out yet. They will. They are I know of the entertainment business. It's already there. Yeah. Uh, Everything has to. It's not just a PC world. It's a. It's a. It's a world where you must uh, uh, 
adopt the doctrine. Here's another example of that, uh, and that is global warming. It's, it's getting to the point now that if you are questioning global warming, you might as well be saying that the earth is flat, and as some of them say, you might as well be denying the, uh, the Holocaust. And this is, uh, and to deny the Holocaust is, of course, a dangerous game uh, because you're denying history itself, and it's dangerous. It's considered uh, almost a hate crime. I, I, I don't believe in jailing anybody for denying that there's a Holocaust. I think you're an idiot if you, if you just, if you deny, if you don't see it right there. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I just don't believe in, in criminalizing anybody. I don't believe in criminalizing anybody for anti-Semitism unless they're actually engaging in violent crime in the process. So you don't believe being stupid about a certain subject right. is a crime yet? That's correct. Well, you have right. to be drummed out, right. obviously. Well, but, but the global warming aficionados, they say that we should criminalize people who don't advance it or challenge global warming because just like denying the Holocaust, you are creating a, um, a hysteria that is against reality and that uh, you're hurting the planet. And this is our very survival at stake. Never, never mind the free speech element to this, right? I mean, lost in all this is free speech, right? And th that's the amazing thing. You can't say, I, I think that uh, homosexual parenting is less ideal. Uh, ideal than heterosexual parenting. You can't say that. But, yeah, I thought we had free speech in the country, but we don't. And um, if you... Uh, if you say boys and girls are different, uh, same, same sort of thing. So this is the kind of thing we're seeing in the zero-tolerance world. And not just PC world. It's a zero-tolerance world. And they are, without realizing it, they're advancing themselves very much into the, the Brave New World standard, where everyone is supposed to say the right thing uh, and adopt this, the policy of the government as it's been fed to you. Now, look, I can, I can hear anybody, I can imagine anybody listening to this thinking, wow, you know, you guys are really uh, worried far too much about this, this stuff. This is, uh, you know, maybe this is something decades, centuries from, the, from now uh, to happen. And, you know, unfortunately, I wish I, I could agree with you that, that it's centuries from now. But, you know, you guys... You on the left, you, you purport to be worried about global warming, you know, and us all drowning 60 years from now, right? That's decades from now. Why can't we be worried about the collapse of culture 60 years from now? Well, it's also a complete straw man argument. The idea that you shouldn't be worried about something because of the time frame that it might be on will be longer than shorter. Part of human existence is the yearning for freedom. Part of all the stories, this gets back to the atheism versus religiosity argument. All this, many of the stories in the Bible are warnings about tyranny or oppression. Isn't it a natural state of humanity to constantly be on the lookout for oppression and tyranny? Isn't it a constant yearning of humanity to constantly, like your son, looking out for the bad guys to confront and defeat, and those yeah, bad guys are generally the tyrants. That's so exactly who cares right. if it's in five days or 500 years? Why aren't we always looking out for potential tyranny and fighting it? The, the Bible talks about I, fences I, for yeah. God. You keep kosher to follow other rules. Why don't you create a fence for tyranny now to make sure we don't run into it later? Well, this is, this is 
very clear what you're saying, and you're 100% right. We, we do, of course, always look around the corner. Sometimes it's uh, around a couple of corners to see what the horizon is going to uh, offer us in the future, whether that's from a, a threat from abroad or, uh, for that matter, an asteroid that might be in space, right? I mean, we're constantly looking at the heavens to see what asteroids might be, uh, you know, threatening our very existence um, 10 years from now, 100 years from now, 200 years from now. We can actually calculate that now, right? And we can say, okay, this such and such asteroid is going to be a real threat. It's going to come this close to our planet, and we need to take action, or at least to be worried about it. Um, and, and that's the least of, of our concerns. We, we, we do have to worry about Islamic terrorism that is creeping in everywhere. We, we, we seem to recognize that. I think even the liberals understand that that is something that is a legitimate thing to worry about, certainly if they agree about global warming. But when it comes to... Um, our culture, for some reason, people uh, will, will will talk to you as though, uh, will look at you as though you're this madman who is uh, warning about the, the, the days of, of uh, reckoning coming upon us and that there's going to be fire and brimstone. No, we're saying very simply that the, uh, the circumstances of our culture and, and the direction of our culture is such that we are going to lose so much of what we have, of, of all that we have gained. Don't, don't take this lightly, folks. You should be engaged in this process, too. You should be wondering, how is this happening to us? I remember the end of uh, one of, you know, a movie that I really enjoyed, The Patriot. Did you see it, Ari? I didn't. Okay. It's uh, with Mel Gibson, and it's a, it's a good movie. It's not as good as Braveheart. But, uh, you know, it's, it was entertaining, and uh, you definitely learned a little bit about uh, the American history, and it's a, it's a story, it's a fictional story with the proper American history as a backdrop, and it's good. And at the end of the movie, which is the end of the Revolutionary War, you see uh, the General Howe character. Um, he's now escaping on his boat, leaving the Yorktown area, which is in flames, and it's the end of the war. Uh, it's the, the, the de facto end of the war because that's basically when the war ended and the British had to surrender. And you hear General Brown, uh, General uh, Howe say, how did it come to this? Right? And you see his forlorn, somewhat surprised face. How did it come to this? And we know in history how it came to this. It was a, a bunch of factors. One, it was, it was battle fatigue on the part of the British it was the very clever machinations of the Americans to bring France into the fray. It was George Washington's understanding that it was more important to be able to not lose than to win. There's a distinction. Uh, some, some providence, perhaps, from God. But there's a bunch of different factors that came into play. We know it. We now see it in history. We can, we can answer Mr. Howe's, or General Howe's, uh, perplexed question. But... We need to ask that now, before it happens, when it comes to our cultural simply disappearing from us, to more importantly, our freedoms disappearing from us, whittling away, uh, whether it's by way of PC or zero tolerance. Um, this is the only way to do it. You have to study it now. You have to recognize that it's as it's happening now, rather than to say to yourself, as so many of my fellow parents would in the schools, to say, well, we'll get through this. 
or I don't have a son in the school to worry about uh, for, for, for him being treated poorly because my girl doesn't care to play with guns or even talk like a boy does, so that's not my issue. It's your issue. Um, or they have a boy that they, they don't care about being feminized. And then, of course, uh, life passes on, and then you realize that, that your life has changed. You can't speak about God. You can't speak your mind about the most core issues that go to our culture. Um, that suddenly your, your, your children are being taught the, the bizarrest garbage, and they're not being taught the basics. And, and that's how cultures collapse, my friends. That's how they do. Well, listen, um, zero tolerance is a classic example of black and white thinking. There could not be any better example. And your point is a well-taken point, Ari, that there is no thinking whatsoever. Kind of like uh, that scene at the end of uh, Apocalypse Now, toward the end of Apocalypse Now. Do you know? Do you remember this? When uh, Martin Sheen approaches the Colonel Kurtz character, played by Marlon Brando, and the Colonel Kurtz char character says to um, the, uh, the Martin Sheen character, I forget his name, um, but, and he said, do you disapprove of my methods, uh, Major? And the Martin Sheen character said, I don't see any method here, sir. <laughs> right? That's the way I feel about, about uh, you know, we, we, we have to worry about this. We have to worry about the method that the far left is taking, and they're slowly extracting from our public school system and using and manipulating our public school system against our very values. And it all starts there, folks. And you have to be vigilant. You have to, if, if you're stuck in a public school and you know that this is going on, well then, by golly, as I like to say, you take your kid, especially your boys, and you tell them what's what on your free time. You teach them about American history. You teach them how cool it is to be a boy. You play cops and robbers with him. Uh, you, you make him feel like a boy. You play stockyard worker and Native American with him. <laughs> that's right. Exactly right. Um, that's very funny. But you, but you do that. You teach them what's what. And you can laugh at the school a little bit um, and have some fun in the process. And you definitely, definitely tell them that God is very much a part of their lives and that God is the most important thing in their lives, even if the school doesn't say so. Well, this is Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll talk to you next time. Let's do it.